Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to Queers a podcast about politics and culture with Simon Copland and Benjamin Riley. It's the 7th of September, 2016. I'm Simon Copland. And I'm Benjamin Riley. Welcome to Queers. Each episode we talk our way through questions on a theme, and this week we're talking about queer stuff that we love. To start in an obvious place, at least an obvious place for us at the moment, uh, Simon and I are both pretty big fans of RuPaul's Drag Race. I am a recent convert, like a really recent convert. I started watching the show a couple of months ago, and I've just like become completely obsessed in that time, whereas I think um, Simon's been a fan for quite a bit longer Um, A new season is currently airing, and in fact, prior to its premiere, Australian drag queen Karen from Finance ran and won a high-profile campaign to have the show aired in Australia just hours after the US. Without a doubt, the show is a massive cultural phenomenon. While we often talk about some really heavy issues, today we wanted to do something a bit more fun and positive. What is it about Drag Race, for example, and queer pop culture in general that we all love? And building on this, what are some of the things we can celebrate about queer culture and the queer community? What is it that makes it so awesome to be queer? So, Ben, let's get started. You said you've only been into Drag Race for like a couple of months. I can't believe that. Uh, Why did you get into it and what do you love about it? Uh, So, I got into it literally just because it popped up on uh, the streaming service that we have. And I was like, why have I never watched Drag Race? I should watch it. Like, you know, I've never had anything um, against it and have just never got around to watching it. And just like, was immediately really hooked it was um, season five, which I think is like probably the best season. This will be controversial, but I think season five is the best season too. Oh, is that, is that controversial? I didn't well, even know. Well, yeah, yeah. I think I think there are some people who are on the season four bandwagon. Oh, yeah. no, five's better. Yeah, um, four really is good. Four is good, but five was better. Um, and what? I mean, I think fundamentally the reason I like it is that it is spectacularly entertaining. Um, I've always kind of enjoyed reality TV, um, but. Like, I feel like it's just, on some level, a really, really well-constructed reality show. There's, like, a lot uh, crammed into every episode. The whole, like, structure of it is really great. The kind of, you know, climax of every episode is that, like, two of the drag queens have to, like, lip-sync against each other. Lip-sync for their lives, as as the show says. And it's just, like, a really kind of fantastic, overly dramatic way to, to kind of, um, you know, eliminate people. The... Uh, the challenges are really great. It's just like incredible artistry. I think it's it's just a kind of great um, place to watch talented people doing amazing things uh, mm-hmm. is, I guess, the, the, the easiest answer. But it's also just like super gay. Like it's so gay. And it really 
um, revels in that, which I really love. It's it's so kind of camp, um, and I I, th- I feel like there's not. Um, I don't know. I'd be curious to to hear whether you would agree with this, Simon. But I, I think we've kind of, in a lot of ways, uh, moved away from camp as an association with um, uh, gay culture, certainly queer culture. Um, oh, this, uh, see, I'm already creating problems using those words, trying not to use those <laughs> words interchangeably, particularly in this case. I'll stick with gay. Um, Certainly, since I guess the the nineties and prior to that, when when camp was much more of a kind of big part of gay culture, and I don't know whether I mean you could kind of speculate as to why that's the case. Maybe it's about sort of uh, the rise of respectability politics. It's kind of an obvious an obvious um, thing to to go to as a possible explanation for that. But this just kind of it's so just drenched in in camp, and um, I think in a way that is, it feels almost exclusive. Like watching, watching drag race feels like you're kind of part of this, um, this very specific, uh, subculture that has its own kind of language. It has its own Mm -hmm. kind of cultural references. It has its own kind of mythology around like the kind of greats of drag, both, both, um, throughout history, but also, you know, in the context of drag race itself. Yeah. And, and, and drag race sort of revels in that history as well. It, you know, it, it, it uses that history throughout, you know, it doesn't just, it, it sort of recognizes itself as a position within a history of drag that, um, that it is part of. Uh, yes. And, you know, for example, they talk about reading and they always talk about the, the history of Paris is burning as a really important movie about drag, which is quite an old movie. And, and, and I only discovered after watching drag race that we, I went and watched Paris is burning, which is just an, an amazing thing to watch oh, um, i didn't even, i didn't even know i've never known what that reference was yeah it's a movie movie paris is burning about dragon new york um in the sort of um 70s and 80s basically um so yeah, i think it's the i think it's the 80s actually um but yeah an amazing an amazing movie about sort of the early early um part early history of drag uh well at least in that in that time period um and you know and I, and I love that drag race and i think this is partially because of rupaul's history in drag you know um that it sort of sees itself as part of a historical historical art form not just as a the thing that's happening now Mm, yeah, absolutely, and I mean, and, and Rue generally, I mean, is is kind of such an a, a appealing figure. I mean, mm. he, I don't know whether to say he or she. It sort of depends what what form um, he's appearing in, but he has has this almost like enigmatic presence on the show. Like, is a bit sort of unapproachable, mm. um, and 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 very self consciously positioned as a sort of. Um, uh, authority figure or like almost like queenly figure yep, yep. Um, who, who is, who is inducting these contestants into this culture, into this, this um, tradition uh, in a way that is um, it's, I mean, it's so over the top, but also kind of reverent. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, so I, mean, I think there's like, uh, I agree with everything you've said about it. And I think that for me, there's a little bit more like uh, one of the things that's always funny for me is Rue has a very particular drag style uh, and it's very sort of that glamorous um, style of drag, which, uh, you know, and uh, she appears like that in every episode and that sort of very mm. glamour long dress. What I, what, you know, what the fear you could always have in, is that, that the show would just follow that trope and that that would just be the expectation. But what I love about it is that it 
it doesn't do that in that often the winners are the ones who don't follow that standard at all. Um, they accept and sort of embrace this, you know, broad range of art form and they see drag as not just, a you know, looking like a woman, but more as, as part of an art form. And they sometimes critique the, the contestants for, for when they might go too far in that direction, but they always, you know, embrace it. And, you know, and I think of people like, um, uh, some you know some of the winners who who have achieved you know some, someone like Sharon Needles for example who was not a glamorous drag queen at all mm. but managed to win and to be very successful and I love that about it um, and I think that that's a really great part of the culture and that connects back to some of the stuff like Paris is Burning where it wasn't where drag was not about being a glamorous woman it was about drag was a was a, was an art form of pretending to be someone else effectively or to to use art to 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 be someone else and I love that about drag and I think it can be very very creative um, and exciting in that kind of way and can really do some amazing things and I had a second point which I have now forgotten I completely agree it's and I feel like at, at its best the show is just uh, like I said it's, it's just people doing this like incredibly talented people doing really amazing stuff and and it's kind of i feel like in a lot of ways that's really kind of escalated over the course of the show mm. um and and each season has been uh increasingly diverse um in terms of styles of drag and it's i mean the, the other the, i feel like it's it's also um uh you know it, it, there are definitely things about it that are, that are that are very sort of steeped in gay culture in, in ways that are um less good, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it, particularly, you know, around um, the way that we, women are talked about in, in some ways. But um, there's also some really kind of great stuff in there, I think, around it's, uh, I think, the most kind of body positive show that I've seen on TV. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, it's very much about kind of embracing different kinds of bodies and and um, embracing sort of bodies generally uh, and... And there's certainly no, um, it doesn't feel like there's any sort of standard of, of what a kind of, what sort of body a beautiful drag yep, queen yep. has. Um, it's also incredibly uh, um, racially diverse. Um, like, you know, it's, it's you, people of colour would make up probably at least 50% of every season um, if not, yeah, and, if you, not and you get a you get a, a really interesting range of not just you know RuPaul is is black, but so you get some uh, quite a few black contestants, but also quite a few Hispanic contestants, um, and I think that that is quite important mm, in yeah. many ways. And they deal with, I mean, particularly for those contestants, they deal with um, language issues quite a bit in terms of that, and they sort of talk about that openly as a as a thing that people have to overcome. Um, and I think the other thing they also deal with quite well, and they, they did this in season eight, um, is talking about class in many ways. And they had... Mm. Um, oh, God, I've just gone blank. Chichi Devane? Chichi Devane, thank you. I've just gone blank with her name. Um, <laughs> but she, you know, she talks quite openly about her coming from a very poor background. And they, you know, and I think there are some problems with the show in terms of there's a, a lot of, like, rich queens who can go in with these huge wardrobes of clothes that they take. Um, and they often do very well. And I think Chi Chi at times suffered for not having the sort of wardrobe that the other other, other girls had. Mm. Um, but they were able to, the, the show openly addressed that. It didn't just like, you know, act like she was ratchet. You know, she, they, totally. they talked about the, they talked about it actively. Totally. There was that great, like, uh, conversation between the judges where, where she, Chi Chi has a bit of a kind of meltdown because she, she feels like being uh, from a poor background means that she can't really 
um, succeed in the competition mm-hmm. and, and the judges. I mean, it's, it's like mildly uncomfortable, but I think partly just because this stuff is all, almost always uncomfortable to talk about. Um, but the judges kind of say there are lots of like, yes, that's a challenging thing, but there are lots of ways you can get around it. And they kind of name all these, um, they basically say, these are all the things that you could do. You could like be sharing costumes with people. Um, you can kind of find other ways to, to access yeah, this yeah. stuff. And it's, yeah, I mean, at the very, at the very least it is, a, it is great that it's talked about openly. Yeah. But one last thing I was thinking about as well, and this was the point I had before that I'd forgotten. Um, and I think this is different to a lot of other um, reality TV shows that I have watched, and that is that I think that, and this goes to sort of RuPaul's posi- position in this, and that the show ends up sort of creating this family-like atmosphere in many ways, and I think that that's, uh, you know, and Ru talks about this a lot, you know, whenever there's a queen who gets, to, you know, um, kicked off, it sort of, um, you're part of the family now, and, and you can really see that in the current season, which is an all-stars season, everybody knows each other very well, um, mm. and they're very friendly, and it's sort of like kicking off their best friends all the time, and I quite like like that it sort of goes to some of the queer stuff around needing to create family um, with your community uh, and not just uh, and and that your community is a really essential part of of your sort of connections and your and your uh, the people around you because you know in, in, historically uh, you know if you're not going to have kids for example which most a lot of queer people still don't have kids, you know, you're not going to have that. You've got to have your community around you for when you get old, that kind of stuff. And Rue sort of creates that family of drag queens that, uh, and, and you can clearly see it. She means family in that real literal sense of actual family, not just, you know, oh, we're just all a family here. It's it's this real bond um, connections. And she, she sees herself as sort of, you know, or acts as if she's kind of like the mother hen of the family. Um, and, I, and I love that about it, that it's sort of got, the, you know, it's fierce com- competition, um, but they but they connect in ways that are much stronger than you often see in other in other reality TV shows. Oh, that's really interesting because it's that's actually the thing about the show that I dislike. Oh, the really? Most. Really? It is, yeah. And I've I've thought about this quite a lot, um, and I think I actually find that. And don't get me wrong, I I love I love the show, and this is basically the harshest critique that I can make of it. <laughs> but I actually find that stuff really disingenuous. I get quite upset even when um i mean it usually happens when they're like on the kind of so they have they do stuff on the main runway like at the kind of climax of each episode and um queens often like have breakdowns uh when they're being critiqued by the judges which is like awful enough in and of itself um and the kind of counter from rue is often this rhetoric about family um, you know, that, ah, oh, we love you and, like, you're part mm-hmm. of the family and, like, we all, you know, we're all your sisters and blah, 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 blah. And I, I think that that's actually emblematic of a really um, pernicious uh, and and quite, like, toxic problem within queer communities. It's so funny because it's just, like, I'm just, oh, really, <laughs> the really? thing that you really love the most is actually something oh, I find I really the thing awful. I love the most. Oh, it's just a thing I like. <laughs> we have a tradition within queer communities of using the language of family uh, in a way that I think often covers up the fact that those sort of bonds are not there or not as Mm. um, real as that language implies. Like I think about this a lot uh, around like subcultures within, within gay communities that, um, 
you know, take for example, like the bear community. Yep, yep, yep. That if you're a gay man who who has never, you know, like I think a, a lot of gay men uh, and a lot of queer people generally have like struggled to find acceptance. Maybe maybe had an upbringing where they didn't um, feel that from their family or from their their immediate community. And so I think a lot of uh, particularly young gay men, although really it can last um, uh, a lot longer than that, can go into these spaces um, and suddenly kind of go, oh my God, everyone around me kind of accepts me and looks like me. And uh, that can just feel really good, like mm-hmm. feel almost like a, like a drug, you know. But because these communities are often like kind of built on uh, a sort of history of, I think, trauma for a lot of people uh, and are sort of grow out of this sort of desperation in in a lot of ways, they they aren't... Um, God, this is maybe just like a really intense thing to say uh, and, 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 and particularly from outside of these communities. Um, I suppose my experience of them is, is that the, those connections are often not particularly um, deep or not particularly strong and are kind of built on maybe an aesthetic and a, um, uh, a, a proximity, I suppose, in these spaces uh, rather than, than um, uh, sort of, I don't know, an intimacy that's built over time or, or a sort of mutual um, emotional, like shared vulnerability or, or dependence mm. or something. And so I just see time and time again these, these instances where things kind of go wrong in, the, in those subcu- subcultures and, and people who, who thought that they had found acceptance for the first time in their lives say, oh, my God, now I know who my real friends are. You know, no one, no one is suddenly, you know, th- these subcultures are famous for, for people having these sudden and very dramatic falling out um, experiences. The politics of them are really kind of famous and that people can just like, they, they're often quite vicious and people can turn on each other. And, and I think that that is a result of the fact that they're, they're often not built on strong foundations and are, are really kind of coming out of, of people's sort of desperate need to be in those spaces. And when I, when I look at um, drag race, I, I suppose I see Rue's use of that language as quite a kind of, uh, as really emblematic of the fact that we don't, because we so readily use the language of family and we so readily use the language of community, we don't interrogate what that actually means and, and what it actually feels like to be in those spaces and to, to have intimate relationships with people within a community because we just kind of assume that it's there. It's kind of the same way we talk about pride. You know, we use pride as a, as a term so flippantly that we don't kind of uh, interrogate our shame. Mm-mm. And yeah, I suppose that's, that's a bit of a bit of a rant, but but I that's all right. Um... That's all right. I, I I'm not sure how to respond to that um, because I have to think about that because I'm not sure I agree. Um, but I'm I need to I need to think about better ways to articulate that, and maybe that's just something we're going to have to cover at another time because I think I'm interested by it. Uh, and also, we've just ter- we've just taken we've just turned on a very heavy path when we were. We I know, were I know. For a this positive... is explicitly not what we wanted to do with this yeah. episode. <laughs> So maybe we could park that uh, yes. and think about that as something that we can discuss at another episode. Yes. Well, to to <laughs> to return it to um uh slightly a bit lighter. Um, you know. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. 
we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I, I, I spoke a little bit at the start of the episode about the kind of camp of, of yeah, Drag yeah. Race. Um, I suppose I would be curious to hear whether that's something that explicitly appeals to you and, and I guess why. I think it does. Um, I'm not a particularly camp person uh, and 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 camp culture is not something that I um, dive into uh, particularly uh, heavily. I think I agree with you that um, campness has almost been disowned by much much of the gay community in um, in recent years, recent decades, and I think there's a bunch of history related to that that we can go into maybe another day, but um, you see a lot of reaction against that, and you see a lot of that sort of, um, you know, there's a standard sort of grinder profile with the um, the no no femmes, you know, type stuff that mm. that is quite common, and what is interesting about uh, what I love about drag queen is it sort of it embraces that campness. I think it is an important subculture um, in gay community and gay history that we should be willing to embrace. Um, but I also think it's really important in that it allows it, it is an important challenge of a bunch of gender stereotypes that are still predominant in our community in our society, um, and it gives a bunch of freedom to. Um, gay men in this instance uh, in particular to be able to challenge those um, those stereotypes and you can sort of do it you know to the level of being a drag queen um, but I think that it actually cre- that creates space for uh, challenging um, a bunch of stereotypes that exist across the spectrum of uh, your sort of from your femme to your mask if you if you believe that's kind of a spectrum um, it sort of creates a whole bunch of space that's really important uh, and I think that gay cam culture has done that a lot just as you know sort of the other the other end you know on the other side you you know I think that a lot of um, butch lesbian culture has done a similar type of thing uh, sure. for women has sort of created a bunch of space uh, extra space in that in that area. So, yeah, I love it. I, I think that's a really important part, and I think it's really great that RuPaul's Drag Race has brought a lot of that back and brought it really into a mainstream. You know, it's gone from a niche show to something that is very, very popular and quite a big cultural phenomenon uh, and has sort of made camp, being camp okay again in many ways, um, or at least, you know, has helped helped make camp being okay again, um, and I love that about it. Are there other... Uh, do you have other camp touchstones in pop culture that you that you're really into? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, yes, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think about, like, you know, I, I love going to drag, drag shows in general, um, you know, and I, and then I think about things like, you know, uh, you know, if we, in our first episode, we talked about David Bowie, who is quite a bit of a camp icon in many different ways, in different, like his early, some of his early, um, gender stuff, not quite so camp in his personality, but a lot of that gender stuff, um, and then I think just in music in general, there's a lot of, um, you know, we sort of there's the stereotypes of the the Kylie Minogue's and the 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 shares and all that sort of stuff, and 
I can sort of laugh at it, but then, you know, I love that kind of music. You know, and I love I was about the, to say, uh, Simon, know. you're a Eurovision fan. Yeah, exactly. Like Eurovision. That, that's oh, like the Eurovision. campus thing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even think about that. Yeah, and Eurovision. Yeah, exactly. And that, that's exactly a good example of, of a really amazing camp thing that I love the hell out of. Um, and I can't even, didn't even click in my mind. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and exactly. Another, another really camp thing that sort of the gay community has embraced um, fully, you know, not, that's not a gay thing to start off with, um, but has sort of been embraced by the gay community and has you know the gay community has put its stamp on it really strongly um and it's great fun i love it mm. yes i'm i'm aware <laughs> <laughs> i guess yeah, i was trying to i was trying to think and you're not a big eurovision fan are you we had that conversation no i'm not i'm not a eurovision fan at all <laughs> um uh camp stuff that i like uh yeah i don't know I, th- I feel like i i often like the idea of camp culture more than i um actually have specific things that I really like. Although I, I was thinking a bit about, um, so a friend of mine makes uh, video games and, and mm. he, he made a video game a few years ago called um, My Ex-Boyfriend the Space Tyrant, um, which which got a bit of uh, press because it's this very like kind of, it's an adventure game, like mm. kind of old school um, point and click adventure game, if, if, if that means anything to, to people. But um, it got a lot of press at the time because it's like super camp, like in that very like cartoony, um, you know, like uh, like twinks with bubble butts and like big like muscly bears and like yep, yep. very very sort of old school um, camp. Uh, and he and I talk a bit about uh, the I suppose the the difference between that really sort of like camp gay culture. And or let's say pop culture, and I guess more sort of queer explorations of things. We talk about it mostly in terms of video games, but I think it applies to a lot of um, pop culture generally. That we're seeing increasing diversity in pop culture around like uh, like queer stuff. I would say like there's there's like in video games, for example, there's a, a kind of really um, huge indie scene where you're you're seeing lots more kind of diverse gender identities mm-hmm. and experiences mm-hmm. being represented in quite. Uh, innovative and interesting ways, but it's it's rare in that space at least to see things that are like you know capital G gay um, yep, yep. really embrace the sort of aesthetics of gay culture in in a way that his games um, that's very much kind of what they're all about and I find that really I find that really interesting. Yeah, and I think maybe part of that goes to some of the reaction against um, capital G gay culture that has existed um, and. Um, and that exists within the gay community, as in the gay male community, quite strongly. Um, and so when you do produce things like that, you're like, oh, you're just being a stereotype, you're stereotyping us. And, you know, and I can see myself making that critique, um, but I think that um, actually embracing some of those those elements of those, communi- of those communities is, is really uh, a valuable thing to do and quite a fun thing to do. And, you know, I just enjoy it. Like I'm not, as I said before, I'm, I'm not a particularly camp person, so I don't really engage in it, you know, I am not one to dress up in drag and I, and, and I never will be. Um, but I, I, I kind of love it from the sidelines in many ways. Um, and I love watching that, that community and, and, and 
and um, talking with people in those communities and 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 um, and I just enjoy the uh, you know in in the cases of things like Drag Race and Eurovision etc I just enjoy the show and I enjoy the 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 art that goes behind it and I just find it a lot of fun so I you know I, I, I put much much more in the position of let's embrace this kind of stuff. Um, but are you saying that like through all your how many years of watching Drag Race you it's never. You've, I feel like watching it for two months, it's like made me want to try drag. I've never no, done it before. <laughs> not really, no. No, it's not really my thing. And that's fine. It's not a critique of people who do it. It's just... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah of course. It's just, just not, never been me, really, I don't think. I don't, I don't, I don't have that, that, that... I don't have that camp personality. And sure, sure. I'm happy to embrace that. No matter how much I love watching it. <laughs> um, I feel like it's... Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not particularly camp either but i i i wonder i'm always kind of curious about to what extent um i uh my relationship to camp and i think a lot of gay men's relationship to camp is um about their relationship to masculinity and Mm -hmm. and i guess to some degree and i i don't want to overstate this but like potentially internalized homophobia as well um and i don't you know i wouldn't say that on a kind of individual level but um i think that can play into it uh, on a on a cultural level as well, and I um, I don't know. It's almost like at its best, camp is a sort of a license to be freed from mm-hmm. the kind of shitty constraints of of masculinity. I mean, this goes to something that we talked about beforehand, and one of the the, the question that I was thinking about is that uh, is this sort of that something about being queer, being gay. Um, I think, and, and one of the great things, and one of the things I love about it, you know, and you often hear the, uh, you know, uh, you know, in the sort of debate about whether be, you know, about being gay, you hear people, well, why would people choose this? You know, why would people want to be gay? You know, you know, when you talk about things like the gay gene and all that sort of stuff, and people are like, you know, who would ever want to choose this lifestyle? And mm-hmm. I'm like, well, actually, you know, one of the great things for me about it is that about I love being gay because it gives you this license to engage in straight in straight in activities that straight people would often not feel comfortable participating in um, mm. and particularly for gay men I think this is really true um, because particularly for straight men um, the demands of masculinity um, put them in a situation where they're constantly having to justify and they prove, prove their sexuality so if, if you were a straight dude who was a little bit camp a little bit femme um, a little bit feminine, anything like that. Your sort of your sexuality is all automatically questioned, and one of the great things about being gay is that you can, you know, you've sort of broken one barrier. You've broken the sexuality barrier, so you can go and break the. It's, it becomes a bit easier to break the next one and to break the other ones. Um, and at the same time, your sexuality is never questioned because once you're sort of gay, you can do what you want, and you're gay. You can be totally. You're already bored. the worst thing. Yeah, yeah. But so. You can be the 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 butch guy who plays rugby, and you're the hot rugby. You know, the the rugby dude who who's gay, the hairy rugby dude that's gay, the bear. You can be as camp as you want, and you can be any mixture of that, and your sexuality is never questioned. You are just that person. Um, whereas I think it, a lot of straight male communities in particular, any sort of variance from that masculine norm is, 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 um, as you, you're automatically questioned, who you are is automatically questioned. So you're sort of constrained to these norms of masculinity. I want to think a lot of people want to break out of that, but they can't because that's sort of the expectation of being straight. Whereas being gay, you don't have to do that. And I think it's, I, you know, I don't, I don't have the experience, this experience, but I suspect that it's kind of similar for lesbian women in round, um, in terms of uh, the sort of the opposite extreme of, you know, that if you, 
there's an expectation of straight women as being very feminine um and i suspect that lesbian women have a bit more freedom to to break some of those norms as well um and i think that that's one of the reasons why this sort of camp culture in gay male communities and the butch culture in lesbian communities is so dominant it's not that necessarily that gay men are inherently more camp than straight men it's just that gay men have the freedom to do so and so therefore the the culture is created sure um, sure i mean and the, and the kind of the transgressive element to that is for me at least part of the appeal as well i mean it 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 feels a bit it can feel a bit exciting and mm. fun to to be to know that um your behavior is is transgressive or 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 um yeah i guess like visibly um well, dangerous is probably too strong a word, but in some contexts, like that, that is appropriate. I was I was thinking about um, the uh, you know, but it's like, I've also never had the experience of like s- straight male privilege Mm-mm. in social spaces either, and so it's kind of a, um, a strange thing to kind of imagine comparing what I get out of being transgressive in a public space by being visibly gay compared to how it would feel to just like own those spaces in a way that really only um, groups of straight cisgendered men can. Yeah. And and, and what I'm saying is not sort of denying of those power relations and denying the fact that for a lot of gay people, life is still very, very hard. Mm. Um, But uh, and, and maybe this is, you know, in a place like Australia where uh, um, we're increasingly seeing more liberalised um, approaches to sexuality, um, and, or at least more acceptance of, of people. So some of those some of those battles are a little bit, you know, they're still there. They're still obviously there, but they're, they're, um, they're less than they used to be. There is a liberating aspect of being queer that I think some people, and that, that I certainly feel like I have the capacity to embrace, um, and I think a lot of other people feel like they have the capacity to embrace, and and I think it's it's it is liberating in many ways to be able to sort of and it, it, again that sort of you've you've broken through one barrier, you've dealt that, you've survived that, you can go and break through some others and be transgressive, and I think that is liberating in many ways because um, it gives you capacity. It's, you know, you could say you've got the capacity to be yourself, but I don't think that's quite it. It's the the capacity to break some of the norms and enjoy yourself while doing it is quite a lot of fun. Totally. And that's such an important distinction, I think, like to be able to say that rather than say it's about being yourself. Mm, mm. Um, I just reminded of a like really kind of perfect example of an experience I had in a public space that, that I guess like captured a lot of this. So okay, there's this, um, there's this quite sort of infamous uh party gay party in melbourne called trough yeah um, i've heard of trough <laughs> yeah everyone's heard of trough um well no i don't want to assume that if you if you haven't it's it's a uh so it's a, a dance party i guess but it's it's held in a sex on premises venue in melbourne it's like that it's probably most well known for some uh for their like promotional material so the guy who yep, runs it yep. nick demopoulos makes these um videos that are just like they're, very, they're in a lot of ways they're actually really camp. Um, these weird videos that are just like uh, half naked and naked men doing weird, suggestive, and often like literally sexual stuff to each other using weird objects and in strange settings and with like kind of dance music playing over the top. They're very strange. Um, and and I haven't seen these videos. Oh really? You should you should check them out. There are like a lot of them, and they're like both very weird and silly, and also like quite sexy as well. 
Um, yeah, that's my afternoon gone. That's <laughs> good. I'm glad I could help. Um, so the the actual party itself is probably less uh, transgressive than the videos would imply, but it is. I mean, it is still literally taking place in a sex on premises venue. Um, so so you know you you that element of it is there, uh, but they're not orgies or anything. You know, they are just like dance parties. Um, so I've been to the I've been to them a few times and uh, went. To the last one I went to, uh, went to like kind of pre-drinks before it uh, at a, a friend's place who lives like just literally around the corner from where the the venue is, and we all left the 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 party the the drinks at his house to to walk as a group to this club, and I had like never in my life felt this amazing sense of just like. Uh, like we were so visibly a, a large group of gay men like yep, walking yep. through the streets of Collingwood like wearing I mean I, I think I was fairly modestly dressed um, <laughs> by by the standards of the group but you know people like shirtless or wearing like you know very very short shorts or even just like underwear like mesh vests you know it was just there was something uh and you know whilst that part of Melbourne is 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 very much quite gay friendly it's certainly not a kind of um, gayborhood in in the way that some parts of Sydney are, um, and just that kind of feeling of walking through the street and getting these looks from people and knowing that they knew, you know, who we what we were, I guess, um, was like just felt fucking amazing yep, yep. and like ridiculously transgressive uh, in a way that just was so much fun. And you know, I think about that experience and and go. Uh, for, all, for all the shit things there are about being gay and about being queer, and there are a lot of those for a lot of people, like, that is an experience that only can only come from from that from from that identity. Yeah, I mean, even, amazing. Even, even the participating in a party that is on a sex on premises venue is yes. <laughs> something that most straight people would never even encounter because it's... You know, it's something that is so taboo, yet within the gay community, at least the gay male community, and I actually read recently that they're opening up the first uh, female-only sex-on-premises venue in Sydney, I think it is. Oh, wow. Um, I read that, I read the headline somewhere, you know, but, um, you know, only, at the, you know, it's a very gay male community thing, Um you know, but that is something that you would just not experience. You know, that is something that, or if you were to do it, if you, you know, the sort of difference is if you go to, uh, if, you know, straight men sort of, when they go to strip clubs or things like that, are sort of, it's the, it's very sleazy and you hide it and all of that sort of stuff. And I think straight women would have virtually, would have very, very few opportunities to participate in that sort of stuff. Um, whereas, you know, for gay men, it's kind of, kind of accepted in many ways it's a saturday night it's a saturday night yeah and i, and I like that you know um yeah, and that's and, a, and that's 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 a great thing it's a it's a sort of breaking down a bunch of those sexual barriers that a lot of people have no access to uh well we might uh finish it up there that's it for us today thank you all for listening and we will be back with another episode in a couple of weeks in the meantime you can catch us on queers.podomatic.com or subscribe to us on itunes And, of course, please leave us a review and a rating, which will help people find us um, a lot more. Uh, You can also find us on Twitter. In the meantime, I am at Ben C. Riley. And I'm at Simon Copland. And you can also catch me on Facebook at Simon Copland Writer. We will see you all next time. Looking forward to it. 
Before Shopify, were you wondering, where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen.